not a matter of if, but when a crisis could turn your world upside down. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real crisis or a rip from the headlines controversy. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. Our suggestions are meant to empower you to handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Crisis Squad member Dr. Abdul Omari is here with me. He's an inclusion, equity, and diversity thought leader and consultant. We're diving into the case file I call Platform Power. Pick a name. LeBron James, Elon Musk, Heidi Klum, Kanye West, or Ye, as he is now calling himself. Big-name celebs from various arenas bring clout and influence. The most followed person on the planet? Footballer Cristiano Ronaldo. Kylie Jenner is the most followed woman. But it's not just the who. It's how these high-profile names use their platforms and their brands. Abdul, that can be for good. It can also lead to crises. Yeah, you are absolutely right, Rashini. We see it all the time, whether it's a oops, I put something out and didn't realize what I was putting out, or I did it at night when I was out partying and maybe had a little bit too much influence. In other instances, you see it really working for what we might think of as the common good and folks using their platforms to try and make change that can impact vast people in large areas. There are a couple layers I want to get into with you because these people, whether they want to be or not, are influencers. Some are hired guns. Some, you know, build multi-billion dollar empires like a Kylie Jenner jumping off the Kardashian fortune and name and has grown her own thing. But they really do need people for this celebrity, this status to grow. What's some of your advice if like a client came to you and said, I've got this platform, I'm growing followers, Abdul, how do I use it well? The first thing that comes to mind for me is the piece about whether you want to be an influencer or not. Oftentimes you are. Think back before social media, right? Michael Jordan is a prime example. He's like, I play basketball. I don't want anything to do with the politics. I was never a fan of, but I'm a huge fan of him. But today it's just different because you do have these platforms and you could think of it as you need it to grow and move into the areas that you want to move into. And then on the flip side of that is you're using it in that way. So you also need to recognize that that makes you an influencer and what you do is being watched. So this is an interesting point you bring up. I love that you mentioned Michael Jordan, because what a contrast to some of the current day athletes who almost feel obligated to make a statement with everything they're doing, or if there's something political out there on the landscape. I have mixed feelings about that. I don't really think every athlete needs to talk about every political issue. I don't believe I need to hear from a Justin Bieber on a current event topic that has nothing to do with music. But I'm maybe a little old school on that. I also think it questions authenticity, and I'm all about being intentional and authentic. So I have an issue when certain people speak out of turn, so to speak. I agree with you, actually. It's a situation where there is an expectation from a lot of people that suggests if someone has a platform, they need to use that platform to speak out in different ways, whether it's injustices or some other political or what have you. I would agree. I don't necessarily think it requires them to do it. They also need to know that whether they want that 
influence or not, they still have it. So whether you say something or don't, folks are paying attention and watching. And you talk about authenticity. So there's a big joke going around on social media right now about LeBron James because he frequently has a book in his hand during interviews. And it's almost always on like the first page. (laughs) Right. And so reporters will ask him, so what do you think about Alex Hayes's biography of Malcolm X? And he's like, well, He's just a really important person, and I love what he stood for, but nothing else, right? Uh, nothing really deep from exactly. page 300. <laughs> and that's the, that's the authenticity piece that you get at, right? Where he's just sitting in an interview with a book in his hand. <laughs> and folks are wondering, like, are you doing this because you feel like you have to? And, and that's an interesting point because he's almost using it as a prop. Now, I look at LeBron James as a very amazing athlete and mm-hmm. businessman. Yes. I mean, he is. But I don't really think of him as this philosopher guy right. that needs to be like, you know, wearing glasses with a, you know, collared sweater and a book in his hand. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. I'm going to I'm going to notice that more now. <laughs> um, people that are on that edge of genius or mad person. And one of those people right now and he's been occupying headlines for a while is Elon Musk. He buys Twitter. We talked about him with Jen in a previous case file when it wasn't sure if that sale would go through. It's gone through. He now owns the platform. He has his own handle, which has 119 million followers on Twitter, but he also owns the whole platform. So now I question, how legit is this thing? You know, anyone can buy a blue check mark, which used to be such a big deal to get or be official. So it's almost now becoming laughable. Many people are questioning. I'm questioning. Do I leave Twitter? Obviously, free markets and open markets say, hey, if you have the finances and you want to buy this company, you can buy it. And he did it. Simultaneously, not only does he have that platform with the 119 million followers, but he can also dictate what is allowed to be on the platform, what is not. And in recent past, it's also been very contradictory. I mean, he's saying we're going to allow people to buy the blue check mark, but then people bought the blue check mark and posed as Elon Musk, and then he took them off. But he wants this validity of people. So then why would you allow people to buy the blue check mark? And so it's becoming a situation where he's creating a monopoly over at least this social media platform, which is Twitter. And his processes are becoming kind of farcical. Correct. Let's talk about some oopsies. So Kanye West, who wants to be called Ye now, he also has a pretty big following, but he goes back and forth being kicked off of Twitter or not. He says things that maybe he shouldn't say. It's pretty much an open thing that he does have some mental health issues. So how do we balance that he is a bit troubled, he is a genius in his own right, and you just some days just don't want to hear from him? Well, I think things can coexist. And what I mean by that is I think Kanye West sometimes says some things where I'm like, hey, that's a good point. And then he says things that I just fundamentally disagree with, like he said yesterday on the Alex Jones show that he likes Hitler. And so those two things of, all right, Kanye, this is too far and good point can coexist. And I think what we do, and this is probably a result of social media and the current news and what we absorb, is we latch onto one. And it's either one or the other. And I think oftentimes more than one thing can exist at the same time. Yeah, that is definitely true. Let's talk about Bill Gates, Melinda Gates. So this very much a power couple and they end up divorcing a few years ago. And what comes out are some of his affairs, some of his alleged sexual harassment, 
approaching women employees, all these kinds of things that it, it just doesn't match the brand that I think a lot of us thought was the Bill Gates brand, right? And then his now ex-wife in 2019 said she would spend a billion dollars promoting women's power and influence in the U.S. And to me, that's very contradictory. I believe at that time they were still married. So how do we take this in as consumers? Because I frankly was surprised that Bill Gates, his reputation, didn't take more of a hit than it did when some of these other things were coming out. I didn't follow this closely when it was happening. The things that come to mind for me, are there certain people who are so influential and so powerful? Are there situations where they're going to sort of give it a pass? I mean, Bill Gates is everywhere and he touches so many different things, whether it's through funding or it's through ownership of companies or the way he impacts markets and all of those things that folks gave him a pass. I can't say for sure. When I think about Kanye West, yes, he has a huge social media and social presence. But when you think about the power and influence that Bill Gates has, almost the quiet power and influence. I mean, most many of us who have PCs, like, correct, right? Your world has been touched by Bill Gates, whether you like him or not. That's right. And in so many instances, we don't even know in what ways our world has been touched by Bill Gates. I think someone like Kanye West or maybe even an Elon Musk, we know. We got Tesla. We know if we're driving a Tesla or not. We know if we're going into space or not. Exactly. And we know if we're on Twitter or not. Right. And some of it you can tune out. You know, that's another thing, another aspect of these influencers and these people with major platforms. You can tune some of them out. Some you cannot, especially if they're a president of the United States, a leader of another country. When you think of things from an inclusion standpoint— or an equity standpoint. Are there some other layers to the platform power? Yeah, I think there's a number of layers to it. There's a layer of folks deciding what avenue they want to use their platform for. I think about the women's U.S. national soccer team, and they've used the power of social media and the platform that they have to really bring some things to light about unequal pay not just within sports, but across industries. I think that as a collective, they said, hey, we're leaning into this. And I think the layers of it require folks, whether fairly or unfairly, to say, here's the type of influence that I want to have or not have, and to lean into that. And again, I say fairly or unfairly because in many instances, I do think it's unfair that somebody who is an athlete or an artist or what have you gathers this big following is now expected to do certain things that they may not want to. Money is a big part of this, too. I always say when I was a TV news reporter, follow the money. And I still say that to this day. When you kind of think something's a little suspicious, I say, follow the money. Where's the money behind this? So that plays into platform power also. Yes, absolutely. So I think about Beyonce, who I absolutely adore and love. Um, He's like blushing right now. I know, right? (laughs) You know when Beyonce is about to drop an album or some big announcement is coming because her social media platform, she starts getting more active. So maybe she posts a picture of her on the beach or maybe her and, you know, Jay-Z or somewhere or what have you. There's certainly a money aspect of it where the teaser comes out and everybody's like, all right, Beyonce's new album is coming out. I do think that that's a part of it as well. Arguably, and this is some of the, the things I think that Kanye West has actually been trying to get across is... Where that money is and who is the real wealth behind sports, musicians, movies, TV, 
are also dictating some of what can be put out on these platforms, a lot of what can be put out on these platforms. And this is where I think Kanye West actually has a good point where he's saying, hey, there's folks behind the scenes that we don't even know about that are saying what we can put out and what we can't. And if we put out something, Twitter's going to shut us down. So I think absolutely that money comes along with it hand in hand. And there are so many new layers when social media came into the mix in the different years that Facebook started, Twitter started, other platforms started. And it really does add new issues. It adds layers of legal issues, inclusion issues, a lot of possible harassment. Yet we live in the United States in a free country and free speech is protected, and people are doing a lot of things in this country that you couldn't do in other countries. I think about the World Cup and the first time Iran was on the field and the Iranian players decided not to sing their national anthem, yet in the next game they were, and there was all this talk on social media about were they forced to do that. And Really, it is hard to get away from platforms and then amplification of those platforms. It is. It's hard, I think, for the consumer. And then I think it's hard for the people who are influential. And that's in many ways where we started with those who are the influencers. They need it. And yet they also don't necessarily want the responsibility that comes with it in a lot of instances. It's extremely hard to get away from, again, as consumers and as those who are in those influential positions with you know, hundreds of millions of followers. Well, we hope The Crisis Files gets to hundreds of millions of followers one day. Of course, people can follow The Crisis Files at Instagram and as well on Twitter. Thanks to Crisis Squad member Dr. Abdul Omari for his insight. Today's Crisis Brief brought to you by Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Number one, authenticity is key, no matter who you are and what you're trying to influence. Number two, intentionality adds credibility and can keep you out of trouble. If controversy is your intention, try to anticipate the consequences. Number three, you might be an influencer even if you don't want to be. Recognize your responsibility. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is a proud sponsor of the Crisis Files podcast. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is the area's most active business advocacy organization, playing a critical role in top issues impacting the region, including workforce development, education, housing, and transportation. Make your voice heard by becoming a member of the Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Learn more at mplschamber.com or Google Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Thank you to my podcast co-producers, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music and Kim Inslee. Catch up on all our case files. Go to thecrisisfiles.com for our archive, plus special video elements. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow The Crisis Files on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.